Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name my is... Name. Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, <laughs> you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Yeah, we hate Squadcast right now. I can't see you. You can't see me. I couldn't see someone from a podcast yesterday. Um, you had to download a freaking different browser. craziness welcome back cody yeah other than this technology bullshit i don't uh i still don't i'm not even sure that that 30 like on mine it did this weird okay whatever i'm done talking about squadcast i think we need to look for a new platform but anyway i'm glad to be back i love doing the roundup i've missed uh the times that i've missed yeah uh did you did you even pose the question? How many? Let me ask this question before we carry on. How many text messages did you get that were hashtag classic Cody? Um, a couple. You know, we're not uh, nice. I like that. We don't want to lay any super claims that we get a shit ton of text messages, but uh, <laughs> I got a uh, I got a couple. I got more. Uh, 
more text messages about the Hunt Quietly Land Trust thing and uh, the main episodes. We got a few, a few. Uh... Well, I got a call from the commissioner of Georgia, who's the commissioner until July 1st. I know it's not news to the world. It has been announced, but Mark Williams will no longer be the state commissioner of wildlife in the state of Georgia. He's taken a job with the Jekyll Island Authority. Um, good job for him. Good, good next move as he gets closer and closer and closer to retirement. So uh, we wish Mark all the best. Uh, we're going to miss him, but he's got a, a really good person coming in behind him. Hopefully gets hired as the commissioner that we're good friends of and good and big fans of too. But even he called me today and went on a rant rave around the Hunt Quietly podcast, by the way. What was his uh, perspective? He's a smart guy. I'd like to know his perspective. Uh, his perspective was very much along the lines of um, private landowners, and he he put a he put an example up that he <laughs> he said they were having such issues with hogs and needed help from the general public in terms of hunting public access, and um, they created like a dating site. <laughs> this is how he couched it. We, he created a dating site whereby farmers and potential hunters could connect. And his whole idea was, you know, the example, the reason he gave me the example was Matt's belief that because land trust is in the game, door knocking abilities are, have significantly diminished. That's what he was talking about, Mark. And he said in that dating service, he had 12,000 hunters sign up and he had two farmers sign up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tells you everything you need to know there. And, and, I, and, I, and actually, I was in a vehicle when Mark was calling me. I was in a vehicle with a private landowner in Mississippi. And once we hung up, he said, tell me, what, what is this all about? And I explained to him, and I said, well, you've got 400 acres here. I said, you know, you could, through land trust, you could put it on the market for people to come hunt. But the idea is that that, that market share stops people from door knocking, um, from door knocking. He goes, people door knock on my farm all the time. And I tell them, no. And he goes, then he gave me an example. He said he went to Iowa to pheasant hunt and he saw an old guy rounding up cows in the field. And he went up to him and said, hey, I see you've got some habitat. Can I pay you to come pheasant hunt? And the guy said, no. <laughs> and he goes, okay. And as he was doing it, he was he was moving a cattle a, a, a cow into a chute, and Mark like helped the, the cow into the chute because he's a cow guy. And uh, the guy goes, "You know a little bit about cows?" He goes, "Yes, sir. I know a little bit about cows." And he goes, "Well, I'll tell you this: if you want to help me round up the cows right now, I'll let you go hunt my property." And Mark's like, "No, no, I'd prefer to pay." And he goes, "I'd prefer you to work for the hunt." Right. And Mark pulled up the cows, and the guy said, you guys got a place to stay tonight? He's like, no, sir, not yet. And he's like, well, I got a farmhouse right there. Go hunt, go stay there and go hunt over here. And I said to Mark, I said, that's exactly the model that the Hunter for Access program has just, you know, that Matt has created. Right. 
So it was like almost both worlds were happening at the same time with me. Like the door knocking has been no for quite some time. Land trust isn't stopping that and leasing isn't stopping that essentially. But the idea of helping people out and getting access to property because you've helped them out. It's something that's happening all over the place. So I think Hunters for Access is a good idea. I do too. I think Hunters for Access is an incredible idea. Um, I also think that I think a large percentage, I don't know what it is, but I think a large percentage of landowners when they're door knocked say no. Um, and it's for all different varieties of reasons, right? There's no trust. There's no insurance. There's no liability coverage. There's no knowledge of this person. Um, and I think that's the huge potential in land trust is opening up some of those by providing the organization, the scheduling um you know, there's no such thing as zero liability, but some liability coverage, insurance, insurance behind it. Um, I, I, I really don't and don't. And I'll tell you this right now, a year from now, I could change my mind and think, man, Land Trust is trying to screw everyone out of public access. But I just don't right now. 100%. I see them as opening up a bunch of avenues that are currently closed. Um, and I think that right now, those the guys from Hunt Quietly are not looking at a thing that has even happened. They're forecasting one, one potential negative that could happen and, and trying to destroy the entire idea. And there is no doubt that Land Trust is opening up some access um, with zero-sum zero sum gain. Right, like you got X number of hunters and you got Y number of acres, um, and if you open up some more acres, I mean, is there anything in my scientific theory here that's flawed? If you open up more acres, you're reducing pressure. Um, you know, is it significant? Is a whole nother story. I don't, I don't really know yet, but yeah, yeah, but no, some good ideas there, and we got an. We got a text message or an email from someone in Missouri who's a landowner that said that they had a law passed that if you were giving people access to your property without paying, then they wouldn't be liable for anything that happened on their property. But as soon as someone paid to come on the property, then you could hold the landowner liable. Which is a giant duh. And so I said to them, what a, just a crock of stupidity. First of all, that's that's bureaucracy at its finest right there. Yeah. So I said, I'm sure Land Trust has crossed that hurdle, essentially, and they probably have a waiver, just like Airbnb would have a, la a waiver, right? If you had happened something, a house that you rented, you're not going to hold the landowner liable. They're going to protect themselves somehow. I'm sure they're going to have the same thing set up through land trust. Yeah, and unfortunately, waivers are... Any lawyer will tell you that a waiver is just something to try and convince a jury to, to, to vote your way. There's nothing really legal about a waiver. You, you can go to an amusement park and sign their waiver, then get hurt on the roller coaster, and you can still absolutely sue them. Um, it's just... 
you know, the jury's going to get to see that you signed a piece of paper that said, you know, you're releasing them. There's nothing legal about that. But land trust does have some insurance. I, I did the research on this and land trust brings um, some insurance behind them um, as well as a waiver, which is definitely better than, you know, in Missouri, if you knock on the door and give the guy 50 bucks, it looks like there's, you know, no coverage whatsoever if they go out and trip over some old rusty barbed wire or something. Um, yeah, yep. I think the best bet is a lot of states, I've never seen it anywhere in a state, but a lot of states have horse laws or equestrian laws. Like in Kansas, if, if you come to an arena and you get on my horse, Robbie, I have zero, like it doesn't matter. My horse could blow up and kick you in the face and you cannot do anything in the state of Kansas. You can't sue me. Mm. Um, and I feel like there ought to be laws like that. Um, you know, that if, if you, if you, I think that the Missouri law is great, but it's only halfway there. Why does all of a sudden, if I, you know, 50 bucks to hum, come out your ground, you are in fact liable. That doesn't make any sense to me. But anyway, it, this is a, this is an age old dilemma that will continue forever. Hopefully it continues forever. Hopefully, we're constantly trying to figure out a better way um, to get to protect landowners, provide them with income streams, and provide hunting access. Hopefully, we never stop trying to figure out a better way. Yeah, totally agree with you. So you got a couple of hashtag classic Cody texts because classic Cody double booked himself without, and especially because it was your wife's birthday. Just that's a that is a hashtag classic Cody. Uh, literally, they were both anonymous and both just said classic Cody. That's it. <laughs> I love it. Love our fans. Yeah, love our supporters. Exactly. Anything else? You said there were a couple of main pieces. Um. Yeah. Both. Uh, neither from. Uh, people that we know i don't think sometimes oh i was wrong this one's from from uh shay who those of you that have been longtime listeners um I, a long time back in december of 2022 in october shay sent us a text and then do you remember that i made the comment of yeah, that it was no, a girl. No, no, no. I did not say it was a girl. I said it was kind of a unisex name, and I didn't know, and I thought maybe it was our first female texture. And at that time, Shay responded to my comment with a text that just said, fuck you, Cody. Um, but <laughs> he sent, uh, he said, uh, in reference to the Hunt Quietly Land Trust stuff, I would like to hear more of Matt's perspective on states with very little public ground and far more no trespassing signs. This is, this is like the things that I tried to say to Matt um, about Kansas. Hunt quietly needs to be pressed more on the added value to wildlife and by expansion habitat both and expanding habitat both received from the monetization of hunting. I don't think anyone wants, I don't think most people want to see a European hunting model here, but landowners are a vital component of conservation. I like Robbie's harps on Africa wildlife and value to get protected. 
Um, Shay, Shay has a horrible uh, punctuation in his text, but um, <laughs> the uh, I, I literally, if someone's just listened to me read that and thinks that I can't read, I promise you I read it literally across the board. I'm, I'm just kidding, Shay. Um, no, I think that that, you know, I think we've beat that one to death. And I think that the main thing, um, I tried so hard when I did those two interviews to be, uh, you know, to be neutral, to be like, I'm going on a fact mission here. And I even got swayed a little bit initially on the main Sunday hunting thing, um, with this landowner argument of they should have a day for themselves. But then someone said, you know, why don't they just post it? No hunting on Sundays. And then you're everything. I, I literally just think that you're taking kids and uh, guys and, and guys and gals with uh, Monday through Friday jobs and you're eliminating 50% of their access. That's what I think no hunting on Sundays is doing. Mm. No. You know, we've been around this, around the circle so many times, and it was interesting. How for wildlife is very much, you know, of the opinion that this is going to happen one day, and it probably will happen, but with some concessions. So, you know, opening up the WMAs only for Sunday hunting, or you know, they, what did they try this year? Bow hunting plus a $31 license fee that goes to a conservation fund. Yeah. Yeah, something, something like, like that. that. So, I don't know. It, they're going to keep pressing. There's, you know, people have data on both sides of the... Jared has data that says that people are, for the in the majority, want this. Um, the other side says that, no, we don't want it. So, it's... um. It's an interesting. It's an interesting thing. Give me one data point. Give me a data point that says it's a bad thing. Hypothetically. No, you said everybody has data points. Is my sound coming through? It's not showing up on the bar at all. Yeah, it's coming through. Um, the only data point I've heard is that they have some survey that says landowners will shut down all access and it's some overwhelming number of private landowners. Yeah, like they, the, the data point is 40%, as I understand it. But there's also then data that shows like the forestry companies own, you know, 70% of the land and the forestry companies allow hunting, the same forestry companies allow Sunday hunting in Vermont and Connecticut or New Hampshire, just across the line. So why not just open this, the, the sort of private forestry lands? Well, then you're going to get into a conundrum to say, well, what's private forestry lands and what's private private land? And, if it, and then you'd have to post it. So there's still a lot of discussion, negotiation, political maneuverings to happen here. But the data point against it is here's the way I see it. The data point against it is someone who lives in a city area who currently has access 
10 minutes outside of the out of the city to go hunt when this gets enacted this that person says i don't want this so i post my land yet okay the private forestry areas are now open to sunday hunting but they're 4 hours away I'm trying, like I'm trying to be civil about this, but I, I, I think that's all bunk. I just, I think that, that you have a lot more accessible hunter days if you give them back 52 Sundays a year. I just do. And I, I again, you know, I was wrong on this podcast, but I, I, I don't, that fat of acres just get shut down the other six days. Um, because Sundays are open, but I could be wrong. I'm in favor of being yeah, able to certainly hunt a risk, side. and sure, you know, I'm I'm in favor of Sunday hunting too. But if you're going to see a wide scale shutdown of hunting access, that's the that's the crux of the question: Is that going to happen, or is it not going to happen? That's the crux. Right. Not only are you going to see a large scale shutdown, is that shutdown going to outweigh the additional 100 days allowed? Right. Like, I mean, if you lose access How to How many this, actual days is it, Cody? Um, I don't know. You, you consider that there's probably something like 25 weeks in a year that are, that are hunting season, you know, that now. You take certain states where you can, in fact, predator hunt all year. Uh, but, you know, your traditional hunting season, when you throw in an early dove season um, through a turkey season in the spring, maybe 25 weeks. So 25 additional days. Those are all made up. Like, I could be just so far off with that, but I think I'm pretty close. Um, but you take that time to every hunter in Maine did a lot of additional hunt days. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's going to be a constant discussion, good discussion fodder, obviously, into the future. Uh, talking about uh, discussion fodder, let's just do a quick admin on our conservation club members i want to give a massive shout out to a brand new conservation club member Everly stock just came on as our conservation club and they have just been amazing partners number one they decided to come in at the highest level that we have from a conservation club perspective they're a founding member at our at our highest tier they've also donated 20 backpacks 20 smaller hydration backpacks for anti-poaching units in in Africa. And we're constantly flowing that out right now. So just massive props to Eberly Stock. They've been they jumped on board with the Hunters for the Hungry program, right, Cody, way back in the beginning. Just massive props. Yeah, they did. Hunter that was a that was a cool because we because we had like I mean kind of like the top three uh competitors of each other in the mountain hunting game, um, all same project to help out there with the hunters for the hungry. So that's cool stuff. Yep. Yep. 
And then I'd like to shout out three of um, three companies, Outfitters in Tanzania. They all support us equally. Um, and I think this just showcases the model that we've built in, in Blood Origins is that we don't belong to anyone. We belong to everyone and we support everyone. We have three great outfitters out of Tanzania, Adam Clement Safari, Kilimbombero North, and Rongwa Game Safari. If you, if you have a pocketbook that can afford the classic 21-day school bag safari in Tanzania, those three areas are all three outfitters. And the areas that they get to hunt in Tanzania is absolutely exceptional. The sort of creme de la creme of buffalo hunting. You name it. Big props to them. Thank you for supporting us. And allowing if you us don't to do have that do. pocketbook, go find them on Instagram and just tell them thanks for supporting us. Like that, that means a lot 100%. to us too. Because uh, to them too, it's cool that uh, you know they're they're not getting some big ad marketing campaign for supporting us. You know we we don't do that style, and we just thank them every once in a while. I would appreciate it if you had the time to jump on Instagram and go thank Everly Stock or these three outfitters that Robbie's going to name again for me. Yeah, Adam Clement Safaris, you can find them on Instagram. Dylan Bombero North Safaris, you can find them on Instagram. And Rungwa Game Safaris also on, Insta on Instagram. So please just find a post of theirs, say thank you for supporting Blood Origins. That would be Absolutely. amazing. Um, couple of news news articles this week, and, and and pieces coming out. We're about to release. Uh, well, when the time of this podcast drops, we would have released it already on the Welsh Game Bird release consultation that's happening. That is coming to a close June the twentieth. So you can help the British Association of Shooters and Conservation by by really getting involved and saying, you know, answering some questions for them. And there's real simple questions. You can just answer no to the four questions. Anyone in the world can submit comment. So check out our YouTube around the Welsh Game Bird release. And um, it's one of those sort of hot topics there that is really asinine in terms of regulations, Cody. This is the one that would make you, your head scratch, that they really want to put more regulations on the release of game birds, specifically red-legged partridge and pheasants, um, into the countryside of Wales in sensitive environments. And it's like, well, that could make sense. But they've already got best management practices in place. They, they already have to do a, a bunch of uh, hoop jumping to do that. And at the end of the day, you know, when you release these birds, according to the research that I've looked into, I think 47% get shot right away. Another 40% don't last three weeks. And less than 1% actually makes it through the next season and actually, quote-unquote, breed. So are we, what are we saying here? That we are worried about the, the potential 1% of birds that are living on the landscape that are affecting the environment? I think somebody just needed something to feel important. Like, I think that's what a lot of this crap is. It's somebody just needs something to... <laughs> And they're like, you know what, let's go after this because it seems like I would be a hero if I made up some bureaucratic crap to do right here. So, yeah, hopefully there's not much uh, weight behind the push. 
Well, and and it's just the classic scenario where the game burst release industry, the game shooting, game bird shooting industry feeds hoteliers, pub owners, um, the beaters, the picker uppers. It's going to be, um, you know, it, it could be devastating. It's one of those like could be scenarios. You know, the habitat that's protected because of these game birds being released. It's just a massive knock-on effect for somebody, like you said, just like, ah, oh, we think this is a good idea. But there's really no and environmental what's their reason to be worried about here What's at their all? motive? Do they have a stated motive? Yeah, environmental impacts. The impact on, you know, native biodiversity because of these the, re the release of these birds. And Dr. Connor Orgorum, we released a podcast with him last week that you'll hear him say, well, you know, pheasants have been around the English landscape for a thousand years. When do you quit classing things as feral and invasive or non-endemics when they've been there a thousand years? Or do you just have any science that says the release of these birds is damaging anything? Right. Well, the science that is there is the... It's the birds that sort of hold over, right? After release, how many birds are left on the landscape? Which would be the birds that would be uh, impacting the environment. Like, by eating bugs? That, like, well, how are they impacting the environment? Yeah, eating bugs, eating and shoots, that and scratching. detrimental? Like, that's my... It's tough. There's, there's not really data to show that because, let's be honest, who's going to put money towards research of one pheasant per five acres and its impact on biodiversity. This is someone that was just sitting around bored to make it seem like we're saving the world actually doing any work whatsoever. And uh, so they've made this an issue. And they will, they, if, if it passes, they will make the whole situation worse. It's very much like the trophy hunting ban in the UK. They will they will make the whole situation worse because they don't like the idea of heads on walls. So they're going to make everyone's situation worse. That's exactly what's happening. Mm -hmm. With no scientific, scientific data. Actually, scientific data to the contrary in the African example, right? And Right. And it, it, I don't, what, what the hell? Like what, you just sit around and think of ways to cause problems for other people so that your friends think you're cool at parties? I don't understand why these people do these things. All right, we've cut, we've beat that to death. So other thing that happened this week, probably a couple of days ago, was the Colorado Supreme Court decision. Mr. Fly Fisherman himself, catch and release. Torture, yeah, trout. extraordinary. I've had, I had, Sports. I had trout or torture tattooed on my forearm. Nice. I didn't really. For anyone out there with zero sense of humor or understanding of sarcasm, I did not actually do that. Um, I do love fly fishing, and I do it a lot. And I realized the conundrum of the catch and release, and not eating the trout. And I just, I don't care. I'm going to continue to do it. So, um. 
I'm with the Supreme Court on this one. I think that in the last to have made two of the correct decisions on land access, one being the uh, corner crossings thing. I think it's absolutely stupid that you can't, in a checkerboard, climb over a corner post to another piece of public ground. Um, I also don't think that you can start public and walk private in a river um, and and then stand in that chunk of river that that person is paying taxes on. And um, I know someone out there listening to this just went, oh, it's a navigable river. You don't know. He doesn't control it. It's navigable. It's not trespassable. Um, you, you can ride a boat through the river in question here in this Colorado one. Not all river considered navigable. Um, but uh, So, Cody, why, why in your brain is it different for someone to pass through with a boat on, quote-unquote, a piece of, I guess, water that someone's paying taxes on versus somebody walking through? Because they're not walking through it. They're walking into it and fishing it. So your issue is with them standing still? uh, My issue is with them trespassing. I think private land... Aren't you trespassing on a boat? Yes, but there's a specific law that says as long as you keep moving and don't put your feet down, you can do that. I mean, there is. I what could... if, if you kept if you kept moving without on with your feet? You're getting into a set of semantics that makes it a law of impossible force. The river on private land is for transportation purposes only. At least in the state of Colorado, and a hundred percent, this is how I understand. And this person is not arguing that they should be able to walk through private land. This person is arguing that they should be able to fish that private water. And it's a re- <laughs> it's a really cool thing that the people on boats and tubes and canoes and kayaks are allowed to transfer through that water. Um, to get to some somewhere else, or just for the joy of, you know, being on the river, I am completely in favor of landowners' rights that you can't fish and recreate on their land. Send anything, J members out there can text um, and call me a traitor for access, which I fight hard for access and, and love the idea of it, but. You can't just ignore landowners' rights. And there is thousands of miles of incredibly... A, a landowner has the right to stock and manage their stretch of water. A lot of the reasons people want to <clears throat> fish private waters is because they're managed. And those people are spending money to develop trout habitat and trout populations. And if all of a sudden every fly fisherman in Colorado could walk from public into a private piece and just stand there, that's the only, that, that's where, that's where I would go. Like that's where the big trout are. Not exclusively, but there's, there's a lot of places like that. Um, and I'm, uh, I'm not in favor. If, if, if they have the ability to take care of that water, not only the ability, but the responsibility to take care of that stretch of water, then, then you can't just walk around on it whenever you want to. In my opinion. 
you know, it's a tough it's a tough situation because I know that in other states there's been some other fights around this. And if you stay in the water, obviously not trespass on the land itself, then you're allowed to access that water. But what you're saying in terms of the private fishery, that makes sense too. So it's another one of those conundrums. So what did the court find? The court found in favor of the private landowners? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know who the representation of the private landowners were. What I know is the court found, the, court, the court's decision is the person suing for the right to walk in these waters. Um, and I, 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 I'm telling you right now, without the land, private there would be less quality trout fishing in the in Colorado, um, even in the public waters. And, and you take that away. It, this this is this is the this is the hunt quietly argument for Montana, right? The, when we figured it out, there's 37 million acres of public access, and then you get pissed off because Joe over here with his 3,000 acres wants to charge money and wants to make money off of the land. It's it's ridiculous. There is you can you can there is you could never fish all the fishable streams in Colorado. You couldn't do it. No one could do it. Now you could you could maybe hit each one in a spot, but not every foot of every fishable. And now we want to go and take away a private landowner's right to manage and profit. There are land but lease their stretch of a river. For private fishing, right? Um, mm -hmm. And and now we want to we want to take that away, and it and all and all man, it just it all stinks of like like jealousy, doesn't it? That it's all driven by jealousy and nothing else. Now, if you were in Kansas, and there, you know, in Kansas, like noodling and shooting carp with your bow about the best fishing comes about in the rivers but if you were in kansas where there's almost no public ground i still would not be in favor of this but a different argument argument in my opinion it would be a different i would still stand behind the landowner's rights but um there is thousands thousands and thousands of miles of public access rivers and streams that Colorado Parks and Wildlife does an incredible job with their capabilities of providing excellent fishing there. Um, I don't see how this is anything to jealousy. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your perspective. You, you know, it was the kind of perspective we wanted because you're a fly fisherman in Colorado. That literally <laughs> has a list of... 50 probably spots that include probably a thousand mile water that I'll still hope to fish someday. Mm. And none of it would involve me a special law so I could trespass on someone else's property. Just in Colorado, don't get, don't get me started well, on the other, the other mountain states.
Well, I don't know how much... I've got some other things, but I don't know how much more I can stand of this squad cast issues. Because I can hear myself, and you're jittery as hell get out. Hopefully it doesn't come across that way. Um, anything on your mind? Uh, I drew... Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't really have anything to do with Blood Origins necessarily, but I'm pretty excited because I drew a mule deer and an elk tag in the unit I live in for the first time ever. I've never had either. Really? Yeah. So I'm going to, uh, and now keep in mind, don't you have mule deer at your house? Constantly can't get a tag. Um, (laughs) but I have, they're, they're not trophy units. Like it's going to be very hard to shoot. Um, I shouldn't say very hard. Like I'm not trying to, but there's not a lot of trophy, um, uh, they're there. It's just not considered one of the great units, right? That's the way I should put it. I didn't, I'm not excited because of the massive potential in the unit. I just, I really want to walk out my back door and maybe walk for two or three days because I can. I've got, I'm, I butt up against 286,000 acres of public ground. But, uh, yeah, that's what's on my mind about hunting right now is uh, maybe going to spend a, spend a little bit of time uh, shedding. There needs to be a little bit less Cody in the world um, as far as just straight belly fat before I attempt to go and do this. But, uh, yeah, I should have about uh, 13 straight days of pretty hardcore scouting because I go I, – I got – I go right from the mule deer season straight into the elk season. So probably what will happen is I'll see it. Is it bow hunt only? No, this is rifle. I wanted to do a rifle. Um, I guarantee you, someone write this down or mark my words. I'm going to see a whole bunch of elk the first week when I'm carrying around a mule deer tag. Yeah. Yep. And then I'm going to see a whole bunch of mule deer the next week when I'm carrying around an elk tag. But, uh, my first choice was you can get them both at the same time, which will be my next goal is to have, you know, both tags in my pocket while I'm walking around the mountains. Awesome. Well, that's cool, dude. I'm uh, pumped for you. And uh, we're just getting ready to go to Botswana. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm... So when this podcast drops, it'll be two days. We're doing a phenomenal documentary piece there. And one of the villages that we're going to be visiting actually just had a funeral for a guy who got killed by an elephant. Man, that's a different set of, uh, a different set of threats you're living amongst right there. Yep. hundred percent, hundred percent. We've rented Land Rovers that are fully kitted out. So if we get stuck on the side of the road, we'll be able to pop a tent, make a fire, cook a meal, nice. go to sleep. Nice. I'm jealous. I told you I'm going, I'm going on the next trip. Yeah, we'll bring you the next trip for sure. All right. All right, my man. All right, sounds good. Cheers. Well, that's it for today. Appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, Do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.